The Football Show on Off The Ball. With Sky. Watch Premier League, Women's Super League, EFL, Scottish Premiership and much more. Live on Sky Sports. I'm prepared to end it if I can. Well, do it then. Do it then. What about your start to the game? I was, it wasn't bad, was it? <laughs> Why should there be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should he? Oh. Uh, here we are. Daniel. Daniel McDonald. hello. Joe. Joe Malloy. Hello. Lots to get through in the show this evening. Half time, Frankfurt, nil, Rangers nil. Eintracht. Eintracht. Wasn't sure what they go by. Eintracht. Nil. I think Eintracht is probably yes. the way we'll go. Eintracht nil, Rangers nil, half time. Amazing atmosphere. Described as Eurovision like uh, pre game, these opening ceremony. Uh, like, only better atmosphere than the Eurovision. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> <laughs> So just people applauding every three minutes and then just sort of making silly faces at the camera. Heart shapes to the camera. Yeah. Fair point. I saw it described as uh, Eurovision-like. It did look amazing on the uh, TV. I'm, but when I say Eurovision, Dan, I mean excited, full of life, full of verve, colour. I mean, I see what you're saying there, but I'm not sure. I'm not did sure the, Eurovision? the Eurovision standard. No, I was at, um, I was at uh, it was my sister's 50th birthday party and it was on out in the sort of the... The, the lobby area so I sort of went out to see the voting every so often and uh, got various updates yeah so uh, Phil Cawley was the DJ at the party and was doing <laughs> updates on uh, the Eurovision for, for the crowd uh, nine million watched in the UK alone well they gave it a go this year didn't they they sure did yeah I mean, I mean not content with sort of you know, Premier League dominance in Europe and even Rangers being in the Europa League final they're making a pop for the Eurovision as well It was a genuinely lovely moment when Ukraine were given 400 points by the voting public Yeah, I, I didn't see it Like a big I mean, hug I think the, 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 the odds were stacked in their favour from the start as in yeah. they were expected to win Yeah. so I guess it wasn't unexpected but still to see it happen well, they were well down the pecking order when it came to the judging panels. Showing no sentiment, the judging panels. Do you know, it's going to be uh, it's going to be weird when next month, like when Ireland play Ukraine twice, and there's going to be a game in Poland. Where, like where Ireland are playing Ukraine in a neutral venue in Poland, which I'd imagine is going to be highly emotionally charged because you'd imagine there'd be a lot of oh. Ukrainians there because um, naturally it's been a main point of entry for Ukrainian people. Um, so. You know what may on paper sound like a slightly unusual game in neutral territory. When you think of a game in neutral territory, you almost imagine that there'll be no one there or something. You know, um, I feel like this will be very different now. Like you have this situation where like Scotland are playing Ukraine in a World Cup playoff. Um, Where's that on? In Scotland on the June with the winners playing Wales in the final. But it's one of those where like Scotland obviously have their own. They want to get to a World Cup for the first time since what 1998. They made the last Euro. But like, this is going to be Ukraine's first game. I think like the whole world is going to be willing them on almost, and um, that whole situation like is 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 going to spill over into the sporting sphere like in a big way. I know it has already with individual players at their clubs and various gestures, but you can imagine the national team coming together. So wait a minute, I mean, they, they are coming here as well and it's going to be a game that the FBI are going to make a big play to, to sell it naturally. It's a really big game for Stephen Kenny, a really big game for Ireland, but the whole Ukraine thing, it's the one... You know, imagine Ukrainians here probably will go to that game as well. I think there's tickets being given to them as well. So... Um, it's just something that's coming around the tracks it's not too far away now it's like two weeks um, God I think it's two weeks today I head off to Armenia so it's sort of right. 
it's around the corner for the start of those internationals yeah let's recap on very dramatic news today which is engulfed the League of Ireland 10 men arrested alleged match yeah. fixing in the League of Ireland Operation Brookweed yeah this is the anti-bribery and corruption unit of the Garda National Economic Crime Bureau and they were investigating on the basis of reports of suspected match fixing received from the FAI and from UEFA in 2019 uh, the age range of those arrested between early 20s up to 60s number of residential properties searched in the southern region of the country and Dublin as well there was a short FAI statement to say that they note the latest developments in the Guardian inquiry into alleged match fixing have a zero tolerance policy on this front uh, it's understood and been reported in various quarters that a number of the arrested men are current and former League of Ireland players and that all of the allegations date back to the 2018-2019 season, which is uh, far too close for comfort. Uh, I'm not sure about that, that they all date back to that, by the way, but certainly um, a portion of them do. Just a point of point of order on it. Okay, well, I saw that yeah. reported in the Irish Times, so it's yeah. working off that. Certainly uh, a significant proportion of them if then. you're looking back at things prior season. to that they definitely are looking back at things prior to that as much as I know but yeah that's that, listen that, that's not incorrect okay. it's just that the scope I think is wider in terms of the, the calendar period they might be looking at okay what else do you want to add then you've been working in this story yeah I mean I've been speaking to a lot of people about it but it, it is one of these things where I mean legally it's hard to expand too much on it like there's you know there's been a lot of conversations on it today and very naturally in the world you operate in which is quite a small world you know like um, everyone's saying well who is it and who's involved here and so on and I mean I would be aware of the names but obviously it's not something that can be disclosed in the in, in the public domain um, at this point and, and who knows where it goes to the extent where that will happen but there is yeah the fact that there's of the ten um, there's seven players who've played in the league um, two of them are, are currently playing in the league um, the other five aren't currently active at League of Ireland level but um, some would be involved in, in football at the moment at, at other levels um, and yeah I, like the, the, the broader subject of match fixing in the League of Ireland or betting irregularities around the League of Ireland we have been here before um, it's not something that's a source of surprise or shock to people um, as much as it's shocking to hear it still and, and for it to lead bulletins and headlines and um, the FBI have said they'll take a zero tolerance approach I mean they have to really because unfortunately like this does and I touched on it in the news round earlier on uh, and, and it's very very unfair but it, it does sort of tarnish everyone in some way you know because some people like it's been a great year for the league in many respects you know the crowds have been up there's been a really good vibe around it like you know the crowds are up 50 I mean they're up 25% I think on 2019 the last season before restrictions but like 56% on 2017 yeah which is incredible growth you know um, so there's so much to be encouraged by and yet um, something like this and people will say well you know the League of Ireland is only in the headlines for bad news which isn't true but it certainly is one that gets it onto the news bulletins you know the main news bulletins and you know being discussed heavily and some people all they will hear is well you know that League of Ireland dodgy isn't it and that and that's that's what happens with this and it's why in the world that you operate in 
over a long prolonged period of time there have always been games or certain matches or certain stories that people would tell with a sort of a knowing oh yeah you've heard the rumours about it and stuff um, but this stuff is like serious like it's really you know it's really serious you know and um, you know the implications of it could be could be very serious yeah do we know where the bets placed in the country or outside uh, in this instance I don't want to say anything with certainty because I'm not like 100% sure but this instance it does appear to be more locally like there's been stories in the past where it was like you know Asian markets UEFA were reporting mm. to the FAI that like there was Asian aggregate activity on games I'm not sure if that's the case in, in this instance I got the impression it may not be the case but I mean, who knows? Like, you know, that, all of this will probably yeah. come It hasn't been mentioned to me initially that that's the case. It doesn't mean that it's not. Match fixing is an umbrella term. Are we yeah. talking here about fixing the result of a match or are we talking about those more uh, specific bets, i.e. first corner goals to be scored by both teams, number of throw-ins, etc.? Yeah, listen, that is a key point. There is no doubt it's a key point that, but it's not really, like, it's not... It does it does it lessen it? I mean, and some people's always sitting around it discussing it in a pub or something. Like, oh, it might not seem as bad if you know a team was was still winning a game, say hypothetically, but both teams were scoring in the game. So mm. you know they're three or four nil up or something, and then there's a concession late on, and it's like, well, you know, what harm? I mean, it's it's against the rules. It's 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 a crime, effectively. You know, <laughs> like I mean, we can see it. Um, I think there's a variance. Like I think there's a number of different bets from what I can gather under exploration as part of this I think some of them may well be related to the outcome of games and you know results results that would be negative um, to to a team uh, that's sort of to a club where a lot of this activity seems to be centred around there's other stories again that you'd be aware of you would have heard where speculation would exist around as I said yeah like sort of spot betting stuff you know it's it's like yeah both okay. teams to score or certain things like um, <clears throat> penalties or red cards or various other things that may not technically directly affect the outcome of the match and is it your understanding that this largely or in totality revolves around one club or is this across a number of teams uh, I think the activity here is all around one club and um, I think that in recent years and possibly even as part of stuff that was happening in 2019 I think that there was other fixtures being looked at and of course in games where like there's two teams involved in a game and people may ask questions about another team involved in the games that are being examined but I don't think it's come to the stage where um, you know two clubs are being investigated for their role in a particular match um, all the individuals to me in this instance seem to be linked with one club yeah how many incidents are we talking about how many games well that's see this is the point of this is where there's a slight disagreement I think in some of the reporting around it where you say you know 2018 and 2019 and um, maybe initially it was that yeah was it yeah this is the thing so was uh, was it a handful of games in 2019 I think whatever way this probe has gone wherever it's gone to um, it's taken them back I think to games in 2016 okay. 2017 the extent of which I, I, I don't know how much that's forming um, but I don't think it's it may have started with two games or yeah. one or two games but I don't think it's ended and, there and do we know with regard to what alerted 
the bookmakers who then I'm sure alerted the FAI. Was it this colossal spike in volume over, for instance, and I'm speaking very hypothetically here, because I've made a point of not asking you off air what club, what players, yeah. or any other information, because I don't want to know. I don't want to come on air knowing that. Uh, but do we know, for instance, hypothetically, was there just a massive increase in the volume of bets on something that you know would be perceived as fairly unimportant, like uh, number of corners in a game? Or was it more a case of, well, this was quite a long odds bet and plenty of people had a nibble at it and it actually happened? There's actually a bit of both sort of within it. Um, and again, I'm wary of sort of... You don't know identify it, a match. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's, there is stuff related to score lines of matches and, and margins, I think. And then, you know, a high volume of traffic on a particular scenario, a result that would be deemed reasonably unlikely. Um, that raises concerns that this isn't something I've heard myself today, but I did see it in the RTE uh, report was a reference to... Uh, a geographical concentration of some bets which would have again alerted people like I remember like historically this is not this instance this is maybe going back over a decade but a, a game that would have been the source of some sort of speculation and yeah there was there was a high volume of bets recorded on a match and like it was in a, in a different country you know but it was in such a way that uh, it got people wondering and it may all have been very entirely innocent and, you know, related to, you know, unavailability of players and stuff like that. But clearly those things send out a red flag, you know, when there's there's a concentration in an area or in a market. Um, and I think there's a there's a bit of all of that here okay. in this. You know, it's I, it's not just one to put it this way. It's not as if there's been one particular repeated specific bet that was coming up all the time okay. you know to the same degree I don't I, I can't imagine if people are proven to have been up to something here I can't imagine people would expose themselves that easily if you know what I mean um, by making it that visible that it's always a particular scenario that happened but okay. um, again like this you know there is I suppose when you have say current player involvement yeah. it's a serious situation in every scenario, right? It's not just, okay, but you, you, you could maybe see a scenario where if none of the people involved or say currently active in the league, how people could suddenly find a way to distance themselves from it, you know, and say, well, this is something that happened in the past, but these people aren't involved in, in mm. the game anymore. When, when you have sort of a, a degree of a current element to it, um, it, it's, it puts more scrutiny probably on the authorities but of course again these current people involved they've been brought in um, they've had questions to answer and you know they're fully you know, well, they, they will defend themselves made, and, yeah exactly arrested men it is serious but yeah uh, last one this is probably difficult enough to answer but you're saying oh the league tarnished with this reputation you watch more League of Ireland football than I do yeah. I have to say in the games I watch on television I don't see anything that arises no. any suspicion in me I have to say uh, do you see incidents where you think that is a funny thing to happen in a game between professionals uh, well no but I think this is the <laughs> I don't but that's because primarily um, I would probably see Premier Division games you know with sort of teams going for league titles and stuff like that whereas again without being too directing people in a particular direction but it is fair to say that across the last decade generally a lot of the allegations have centred around lower profile games in the first division okay. um, and 
you know that that is uh, a thing. So uh, you would occasionally see footage of of matches and stuff, and people have said, "What do you think of this?" Right. But they're not games I'm seeing myself. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, one nil to Rangers. They have just scored as we speak. Watching a replay, of the goal I missed it. We're seeing a kick out Eintracht kick out headed forward, and then flicked behind himself by an Eintracht player he then lost terrible, his footing terrible yeah. moment so he, he just got under the header he was trying to head the ball forward and then instead he, he uh, fell behind himself a little bit and flicked it on and uh, Rangers player in and scores and finishes uh, pretty easily I'll get you goal score name in just a second but the headline news Rangers won Eintracht Frankfurt nil Joe Arebo with the goal yeah he, he completely outpaced um, the the Eintracht defender like he sort of won a foot race over five yards pretty pretty easily and he's uh, he's taking his chance yeah okay one nil Rangers our football show coverage brought to you by Sky watch every UEFA Champions League and Europa League match live in BT Sport this season back one sec of all Champions League goalkeepers I've seen and Carrius included what about the fellow in the goal for Villarreal Carrius included is the worst thing any Liverpool fan can say that's the harshest well Carrius was hopeless wasn't he? OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app welcome back Rangers 1-0 up in Sevilla against Frankfurt they've just scored a bit of a theme here Dan and not a great theme I suppose for uh, football so I was reading Jonathan Wilson who's over at this game in Sevilla and he starts off by saying a man in an orange shirt stumbled down a narrow street in the Alfalfa district of Seville it was just before 11am but the stench of booze preceded him his eyes were half closed and he looked as if he hadn't slept for a couple of days over his shoulder he wore a placard bearing the message in English and Spanish that he was willing to pay 500 euro for a ticket for the Europa League final tonight he staggered up to a pair of bemused French tourists I'll give you 500 he said in a Glaswegian slur cash de Niro and that was his opening and then he said and I hadn't realised this Seville police are anticipating as many as 100,000 fans from Scotland Mm. and 50,000 fans from Germany for the meeting of Rangers and Eintracht Frankfurt and Jonathan Wilson says given how the city went into meltdown in 03 collapsed phone network dearth of taxis streams of fans trudging back along the road from the stadium when around 100,000 arrived for the UEFA Cup final between Celtic and Porto that represents a daunting challenge and he said even if the uh, sorry there's a clip from the police commissioner even if 150 fans don't come if it's half that number or less we will have substantial issues is what the Seville police commissioner said it turns out he wasn't wrong because already social media today a buzz with various clips of Rangers fans and Andrik Frankfurt uh, fans throwing chairs at each other seem to be the main weapon of choice for yeah there seems to be a bit a bit from both sides yeah. as they say um, it turns out the Eintracht Frankfurt ultras have been involved in incidents across their European campaign thus far yeah which, uh, which haven't necessarily commanded the same headlines in the same way that activity of other clubs might because there was that game where they took over the, the you know took over Barcelona effectively yeah. they bought a load of tickets 30,000 yeah so I sort of mentioned it earlier like you know the Europa League is like can often be derided by a sort of a big Premier League club fan focused discussion and yet it really does mean the world to these teams that are involved and they're fanatically supported whatever people here might think of Rangers they have a a massive fan base Mm. and um, 
yeah, I mean, there's a bit of previous. I mean, where the the the, the degree of doubt over how they might behave. I mean, it does can be traced back to sort of was it Manchester in 2008, where the, where yeah. the place was sort of torn apart when well, they were playing Zenit. Jonathan Wilson makes that point. So he said, Eintracht Frankfurt ultras have been involved in a number of incidents in their European adventure this season, and the two previous European finals Rangers reached Barcelona in 1972, which I wasn't aware of and then as you oh. mentioned Manchester in 2008 culminated in widespread disorder and it was very striking a week or two ago Graeme Souness recorded this video and again obviously you know within Rangers and within Glasgow there was a, there was a sense of God, you know, fearing the worst here 100,000 fans so this was a video of Graeme Souness people probably saw this uh, a couple of weeks ago it seems I mean it's fallen on deaf ears based on the footage from Seville thus far but here was Souness making an appeal of sorts Hi guys, this is a message for everyone going to Seville. Go there, have a super time, support your team. Our team has done incredibly well in getting there. And you think the journey we've been on for the last 10 years to be now playing in a, a serious European Cup final. Fantastic achievement. They've done their bit, now it's your turn. You have to turn up there, behave yourselves, have a party, but make sure you behave yourselves because you're going there as an ambassador for our football club, our great football club, the great Glasgow Rangers. You must go there and behave. Otherwise, we've got all the trashy headlines, which would damage us for a long, long time. Please go there and behave yourselves. Have a super time. I mean, you do say it's fallen on deaf ears, yet... And I'm conscious that the game is only taking place at the moment. Yeah. So I don't want to say something that can run out of date very quickly. But I think there was such carnage in 08 that there's almost a feeling that what you've seen so far... So far. ...is almost better. So than, far. Yeah, I know. But it, I think some of the stuff in 08 was even prior to the game, though, from what I recall. But still, okay. there's a sense that it hasn't... that it hasn't sort of lived up to the worst expectations. Um, but we'll see how the night goes you know the, the, as I said the previous isn't coming from nowhere either but it hasn't been quite the carnage of 08 thus far well who knows maybe it was Chris Sutton who did the trick hello there to all the Rangers fans out there in Seville I'm just uh, following on with the messages from Graham Souness and Ian Durand and Richard Goff please just behave out in Seville and Try not to let yourselves down, okay? Come on, do the right thing, guys. Be good and behave and don't do anything naughty out there, okay? It's pretty funny. He's got the tone right. <laughs> yeah. He has got the tone right. And it is the whole... And I mean, the whole Celtic thing is you reference 03, but like it was always... The, 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 the fan behaviour was hailed, you know, okay. largely as you know, sort of not, not a million miles away from the sort of... Uh, depiction of the Irish fans at the European Championships and stuff like that you know we pride ourselves on it I don't know if there were serenading nuns and stuff like that can't imagine the Rangers fans doing that mm. um, but um, you know th- there was uh, it comes a little bit from that that there's a degree of Celtic fans saying well we weren't spoken of in those terms when, when we went there mm. and uh, this is this is where the Sutton thing I think comes from ironically poking fun at that but um I suppose if, if 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 Rangers hang on for the next twenty two minutes and win this, and Eintracht have just missed a great chance, um, I'm not sure any Celtic people will be feeling too happy with themselves tonight. It brings us to Billy Sharp. I mean, these are all interconnected. It's a grim aspect to uh, football fandom, I suppose. So this is uh, Forest and Sheffield United. You were watching this game last night. I, I did watch you most watched, of it. Uh, yeah. Liverpool last night, and then you saw that you were saying. Once they equalised, you felt 
they'll probably get the job done and they duly did Ferraris in the garage as Jurgen Klopp said I've got Ferraris that yeah I like, you, you just knew when they were levelled by half time with the bench they had I just felt speaking of level ah uh, we have a goal we have a goal for Eintracht you know, it is true nowadays when you're doing sort of radio so you have that pause for a second of they're celebrating a goal but is, is there some VAR check just about to come to like take this away they're still celebrating and none of the Rangers players are pointing they're, they're, already, the they're already going back to the halfway line yeah. so they've reached the point of this actually is a goal um, one all 70 minutes on the clock uh, so you felt once Liverpool sorry, equalised yeah well, it was one of those where the, the, the two games were off at the same time yeah. and Sheffield United scored 30 seconds into the second half needing two goals but they scored one it was like oh it's game on here and uh, John Egan was a rallying the Sheffield United fans behind the goal and you just sensed this is going to be a good game I mean it, it did it went the distance went all the way to yeah. extra time and penalties, penalties yeah. Once I was flicking over and back but once I saw Liverpool I mean when they were ahead it was like well Southampton are coming back from this it's pretty impressive on Liverpool's part it's a really good goal by the way the on-track goal good cross good finish uh, you know Rangers I'm sure will say oh we could have stopped it you can stop most goals but it's a good goal and it's one all after 70 minutes so I'm sure you've seen uh, what happened if you're on social media at all over the last 24 hours Nottingham Forest win so I mean it's a, this is a happy stadium this isn't a stadium in revolt and there's a pitch invasion which is I suppose a tradition of these kind of nights and the Sheffield United captain Billy Sharp uh, who was standing there he was injured so he wasn't playing mm. and I suppose what would you describe it Dan as a kind of running headbutt I mean it is yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any other way of phrasing it yeah and I, I, those around Sharp were in shock and were looking at him and trying to figure out what had happened and then they, they half saw the assailant and looked after him and, and somebody went to take off after him I don't know what happened presumably he was uh, caught in some way because Nottinghamshire police announced 31 year old man arrested on suspicion of assault in connection with this incident he remains in custody he'll be questioned by officers so what Sharp said the uh, victim of the attack Billy Sharp the Sheffield United captain he said, one mindless idiot ruined what was an unbelievable night of football. Congratulations to Nottingham Forest on their victory and good luck in the final. As an ex-Forest player, I'll not let one scumbag ruin my respect for the Forest fans. And then the Sheffield United manager, Paul Heckingbottom, he said some interesting things. He said, uh, Billy was minding his own business. He was assaulted, blindsided. It was cowardly. Billy's shaken up. He needs stitches. We have the footage. We always see people talking about player safety. Nothing is ever done about it. We're seeing things, and this was the point, I suppose, which ties in with the Rangers issue and the kind of chat we had with Matt Lawton a couple of weeks back about drugs being used by fans going to games and just police are talking about an increase in poor behaviour. So the Sheffield United manager, we're seeing things thrown on the pitch increasingly and things that are thrown on putting players' health and safety in danger. Nothing's ever done about it. And then he said of the incident last night, there will be something done about that. We've seen what's happened. We know what's happened. There's a prison sentence. There's no, there, there without a doubt, there's a prison sentence. Mm. And he said, how can you come to a place of work, minding your own business and be assaulted in that fashion? It's just bang out of order. It's everything that's wrong. Too many times we hear people condemn it. Nothing's done about it. We're the ones that suffered. It's upsetting for lots of reasons. I don't want to say too much more. He'll be dealt with. Yeah, and uh, I mean, and and he will be, and you know, there probably does need to be some kind of sanction uh, landed upon a club in this instance. Where and do you think it leaves the pitch invasion? You were wondering about that in the news. Yeah, well, was wasn't it? Of course, the city ground where that famous clip years ago of the pitch invasion where where Clough yeah. 
had a pop at a couple of the Forest fans and then there wasn't there a photo up with them afterwards or something that was the same touchline yeah. yeah and like it is a big part of these playoff games like you see it um, you know various sort of games I've been watching in the last week in the playoffs because there's sort of great drama and it is a part of it at the end I think there was was there one I think in um, I'm not sure actually when Hillsborough because Sunderland won in the end but like there was that anticipation around games that, that it would happen Um. I, I don't know like it is one of these things where you wrestle with it like do you punish an entire fan base and remove a tradition mm. on the sake of um, and, and because of the behaviour of one fan but the flip side is that if you think the cultural mood out there is such that people are willing to go on the pitch and do this like this was always going to be caught on camera you know what I mean it wasn't like a, a sort of a sly Perfect or something out of sight you know in the tunnel so I, I don't know I'm always I, I'm always in favour of trying to preserve as much fan culture that's authentic and natural as possible but maybe then when clubs do have instances like this where people misbehave you you do have to enforce stronger sanctions so that it makes people think twice but again I don't know I, I can't speak about the specifics of this case again but you don't know what's go- what's going through people's mind and yeah. if you have a large number of people there I mean it does only take one um, like it was this doesn't excuse it in any way yeah. to be clear but look it was a really highly charged game even Heckenbottom there in the first half uh, there was a chef the Forest player was slow taking a, a throw in and he jammed the, the Heckenbottom sort of went up and rammed the ball into his chest and it led to like a sort of one of these you know 20-22 men sort of people pushing and shouting and then at half time the Forest players held back on the pitch because I think the suspicion was there was going to be a bit of t- tunnel antics, antics with Sheffield United it was a very physical game but again, like you're always going to have physical games in the playoffs where everything's at stake. And again, can't base your but, pitch you know, invasion. But a lot of these grounds, like if if I mean this thing, if, if forty, te- you're not going to you're not going to go back to the days of putting up steel fences around grounds, you know, in in that country. But if like if if twenty thousand or three thousand or four thousand or whatever it is people decide to get in the pitch, you don't really have the security levels to stop it. No, it strikes me at Crow Park if fans still wanted to run onto the pitch they could of course they could like you're seeing as I said a lot of League of Ireland games this year there's been pitch incursions as well um, and sometimes it's just people running on to take a video of themselves it's very unusual we've seen that at the Aviva uh, with the Ireland games and it's you know obviously the girl come on to get the Ronaldo shirt and everyone's like ah uh, isn't that nice but then like you know a bloke comes on in a rugby top and it's like you know uh, you're sort of thinking less eh, cute would you say less cute yeah but should you put out a statement about the first one as though uh, we've obviously decided not to punish this person and all this like it's just become a thing that people do unless you have what we I mean the opposite of course security wise is you can go to Baku and Azerbaijan where there were security guards all around the perimeter of the pitch a very highly securitized state it must be said Azerbaijan and there was security guards around the entire perimeter there was more security guards in the ground than Azerbaijan fans there will be no pitch invasion no. in Baku what is the uh, appropriate punishment for the 12 year old pitch invader well listen, I mean it's a good point Joe it's a good point but I mean you're not going to punish them <laughs> but are you going to put out a statement endorsing it it's like it's saying you know she on the all, late all, all you kids on your coming future it's, you know, it's okay if you're coming on to look for a jersey do I have it in my head was she on the late, late show are you confusing it with the toy show in terms yeah, no, of I think, I think there was like a point of celebration you might it. well be right there was definitely an FEI statement put out that was, there was a bit of levity injected to the situation which you have to be careful about that with like you know 
just this general topic of pitch invasions like we don't want parents well, sending their kids out there go get that jersey yeah and you know it, what if you're 15 16 slightly bigger less cute yeah and potentially more intimidating but you're looking out for a jersey you know where do you draw the line with this on this uh, I suppose if we, like I'm, I'm conscious we're picking this Rangers situation and Frankfurt actually should be said in I'm Seville sorry. and we have the Billy Sharp incident last night and then there's this next point uh, I'm going to play a bit of Matt Lawton who was on the show a few, uh, yeah. a few weeks back so I, we're kind of conflating a few different things here and in some respects these are all very specific incidents but then in other respects it's part of this melting pot that is I don't know what, the, the match going fan at the moment so Matt Lawton he wrote a brilliant piece for the Times this was back in February and he had been spending time with UK police who look after football matches and they were speaking very genuinely about a real increase in incidents in drug use around games it now seems that at various train stations where there were matches on there were police waiting with sniffer dogs to catch those coming off the train going to matches trains being trashed just a a, you know not a a great situation and for instance you know we're we're talking all sorts of games here he was writing about crowd trouble between Grimsby and Notts County fans and then there was further trouble the next day in Nottingham City Centre and Matt here in this clip for instance laid out the UK police have noted this increase in drug use around games and increase in violence and troubles from football fans so here's Matt Lawton speaking to us this was back in February um you know, a, a lot of games are under policed. Um, but, the, 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 you know, look, they, in fairness, they've only just started doing these these drug search operations and they're only at the moment compiling this evidence. So they're, they're actually working with uh, some academics. There's uh, um, a professor at Kent University and there's also, there's a link with Oxford University and they're doing a proper academic study about it. They, they, they want to actually demonstrate that it is an issue. But no, they certainly believe that to be the case. And the two guys I was with, the way it works in English football is there are dedicated officers that are attached to each club. But then there's two guys, uh, Stuart Dickerson and, um, and, and Wayne Mitchell, who are dedicated national football police officers. And they've both been football officers for 10, 15 years um, because Stuart was attached to um, Portsmouth for some years before that. So you have to say that they know what they're talking about and they are saying that there is a there is a definite rise in it. There's, there's a definite escalation in drug use in uh, among football crowds, for sure. There we are. So it's happening. It is. I mean, we've spoken recently, on, I think on the paper review, about sort of, you know, oh, yeah. cocaine use generally in Ireland. And as I said, again, not to be specific, but there's been instances around games here this year, maybe different type of thing, you know, people throwing fireworks onto the pitch and stuff like that, just like mad stuff, really, you know. Um, fireworks or flares? Well, flares, but I mean, they are, I mean, they're an extension of the firework family, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, like in, in one case, um, you know, recently, you know, thrown into the crowd at games and stuff. And so, right. you know, there's, the, you, you name one club and you get accused of like honing in on them, but there's been multiple instances, you know. Um, it's, 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 it, it, we can sit here now and take a, you know, put ourselves in, you know, on the ivory tower. It's like, well, that behavior is shocking, but it's coming from somewhere like, you know, it's a, yeah, there's, yeah. There's, there's, there's more than one case of it. You yeah. know, it's not just one outlier here or there. It's um, well, There's something going on for sure. It's just hard to 
explain it because it's a million different things and a million different reasons and football is just one outlet but it's a very visible outlet yeah it is I mean again like you know there's it's yeah it's a very easy way to be seen in some cases like you know and is that what it's about in some instances um, and if you take the chair throwers in Seville yeah some of those guys are probably off their heads and just looking for a bit of chaos others are very angry about things going on and want to express the rage in some way that they feel and you know we kind of romanticise football as an outlet for your rage as in well I shout at the players the way I want to shout at my boss Monday to Friday and there is that romantic we love the tribal aspect of it yeah yeah and there's tribal aspect and there's some who like see it as like it's us against them and it's our club and we're going to beat these ultras and then I think there's like young lads out for a bit of adventure and this is like you know a way to get some adventure I suppose Mm. Uh, and, and 20 other different motivations so it's hard to say it's one thing but yeah no it is I mean as I said, it's a lot of it can be an extension of what's happening in society. Like people might say, you hear this, I don't know, I'm not out enough to know, you know, do they feel a little bit less safe around city centres at times now mm. than they did previously? Mm. Certainly, it's a complaint you would have heard. I don't, I don't um, mean, Dublin's not in a good place. No, no, like down. that would be a complaint. As I said, I haven't been out late at night, so I don't want to say that. But even off the back of the, the initial, when we were in that sort of mini opening phase yeah. I mean there was a, a feeling around town here that it was a little bit a little bit more of an element around the place and they were latching themselves on to certain like when everyone started congregating was it in a very, very Dublin orientated but when people started to latch on to say South William Street and stuff like yeah. that and then there was there was issues happening there and again that is part of people just latching on to something you mm. know um, well I haven't been out out in a long time yeah, but even just leaving here at ten o'clock, half ten, very different atmosphere. I felt uh, mm. pre-pandemic. Yeah, hard, I mean, uh, hard, hard to it does verbalise it in perfect terms, but it just feels a touch different. Are you, I mean, the flip side, are you because you had that period of time of not being exposed to those crowds? Are you a little bit more aware of them, whereas previously you might have had the head down and not necessarily noticed? Don't think so. I, mean. I don't think so, but it's possible. Yeah, it's just one person I'm just having to be sitting no, here no it's a common lived experience that yeah. I've heard a lot of people make that point yeah yeah we are going to take a short break so we are at 84 minutes it is one all between Eintracht and Rangers six minutes to go in that game Dan McDonald in with myself for the football show it is as ever here on Off the Ball with thanks to Sky you can watch every UEFA Champions League and Europa League match live on BT Sport this season short break now you're welcome back. It is one all. Eintracht uh, one, Rangers one. Somebody says, lads, interesting discussion. All just boils down to a palpable sense of frustration out there amongst so many, says Tony. I'm sure that is absolutely part of it. I was just saying to you during the ad break as well, I can feel a touch pearl clutching when we yeah, talk. Yeah, I don't want to be that. You know, it's not It's not about... Like, a bit of revelry in life is important. Yeah. And having a few drinks and being a bit loud and all that stuff is absolutely, no, you, you know, you can't, part of life. There's a danger of like sort of inadvertently like demonising all fan culture or like you know part of what we love about football for me anyway like is the tribalism it's the passion like I I, you know some of the most memorable stadiums I've been to would be intimidating you know they would be like you know that sort of aggression like Legia Warsaw or Pauk and stuff and again like it's not a case of sort of thinking we we need to sanitise everything 
Um, but again, running headbutts on the pitch is obviously the <laughs> no. <laughs> no, and the throwing chairs aspect and like the fighting, I suppose, in Seville is just really grim. You know, it is. But in turn, you know, I certainly fondly remember in college me and three mates saying we got to go to Paris for this Ireland game it was in Bright Care was the manager that mm. nil all draw Kilban great performance in that, uh, that game with Roy Keane and like I vividly remember uh, standing I think like there were like 30,000 Irish fans for that game vividly remember standing like whatever that street is outside the Moulin Rouge and Irish fans are there in their thousands and we were like grand went around the corner bought a crate dropped it on the street drank there for the evening I'm sure we were all loud I'm sure the locals were thinking ugh so like there has to be an, you, know, you shouldn't have to feel like you go to a city and you're not seen or heard like there no. is you know but we're talking about a level beyond yeah just that. a little bit of, we're talking about the, the next level up from that um, but you know you watch people throwing chairs in a in a town square or something and it does bring you back to like I mean you can find footage from Italia 90 and World Cup 98 and stuff where, where, where this was happening yeah, as well and it's always sort of been <laughs> part of the game do you think maybe there was just a period this century where it really improved I think there were, well I'm sort of probably alluding to England fans there but yeah. I know in recent years Mark Ogden and a couple of people have written about this I just remember Mark has a piece in particular about it that there was a feeling that the England away days have become a little bit more raucous again in that respect okay. some of the sort of uh sort of what would you describe them as sort of like the no surrender chance for making a comeback and I mean people were then trying to think is, is this linked to the sort of the the Brexit attitude you know and some degree of defiance as well, well. it's a Which hell of a coincidence a very, I know but it, but it is a coincidence if it's not linked I mean there is something at the moment in the world which feels a little bit chaotic of, uh, angry form of nationalism creeping back in yeah for sure for sure we are pretty much done Irish independence tomorrow I suspect will be interesting you've been working all day on this yeah, just writing Stories, pieces on so. it, on 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 the situation. I've, I've I've worked on a couple. I mean, it's again, it's it's one of these where it's there's only so much you can touch on at this sure. stage. But writing about the general issue, but we'll we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Okay, Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent. Thank you. Into added time, still one all in Seville. So heading for extra time, maybe penalties. OTBAM is with you tomorrow morning as usual from half past seven. Gavin Kilkenny will be on. Alan Quinlan will be on as well, and then off the ball as usual 7 o'clock tomorrow evening Tom Dunn is on the way